Sports Professor Rick Harrow, and we are on the record. Every week, this podcast will take you inside the $1.3 trillion business of sports, the top deal-making issues, the top tech issues, and the top social responsibility issues, plus a blockbuster interview with someone who you might not have heard from in the world of sports, but having a profound effect on its impact. Let's get started. Sports Professor Rick Carr owns the $1.3 trillion business of sports, and clearly this has been one of the biggest weeks in sports in a while. we got NBA crescendoing to final, as is the NHL a little bit behind. Major League Baseball stepping out. UEFA final grabbing the soccer headlines and football all over the country. Even the USFL, which we'll talk about in a couple of minutes, grabbing some headlines too. Important to deal with these issues and focus on our deal making three to one. Three. Tracy McGrady's one's basketball league as Showtime, new content partner added. The elite competition celebrating the most skilled one-on-one players in the planet, created by Basketball Hall of Famer Tracy McGrady, announced a, carte- a content partnership with Showtime Sports, newest media distribution relationship for a startup league. And under its highly successful all-access documentary feature Showtime Basketball brand for its YouTube channel, capturing the story of this season through the eyes of Tracy McGrady, Showtime Sports joins Slam Media Playmaker and Heart and Hustle Productions as initial production and content partners for OBL. Two. Sky Sports partners with UK broadcasters to make World Cup playoff finals available to all. June 5, available free to air on ITV England, S4C in Wales, SCTV in Scotland. The agreements between Sky Sports and all when Wales takes on either Scotland or Ukraine in the FIFA World Cup playoff final. Important fixture will see the winner securing a place in the World Cup in Qatar this November and available free-to-air. The agreement ensures free-to-air for many parts of the world, and Sky Sports will bring the fans of home nations the chance to watch their team progress through 2022. Very important issues in those respective countries, to be sure. One Deal-making issue number one. It focuses on Aaron Donald. He signed with Dunda Sports, and it was a no-brainer. Fresh off winning the Super Bowl, he inked a deal with Kanye West's company. He announced the partnership during a recent appearance on I Am Athlete, a podcast hosted by former stars Brandon Marshall, Adam Pacman Jones, and LaShawn McCoy. An opportunity that came to us and made sense. He's talking about he and his wife, hearing the whole spectrum of what they were doing to be bringing the whole family atmosphere that they've got in Donda Sports, not just me, my wife, family. He went on to say he out, hung out with Yee, who launched Donda Sports earlier this year, and clearly he's a very important component of this and, and vice versa. Well, that's deal-making issue number one, and we come to a, a point where it's obvious the America spirit demands football, can't have enough football, uh, obsessed with football. And because of that, many startup leagues, uh, Alliance, uh, XFL, uh, World League, for those of you who might remember, and uh, obviously USFL old, USFL new. The first USFL had about 2.7 million fans. Uh, This year, I can assure you, after being at Protective Stadium in 
Birmingham for Memorial Day weekend. They won't come close to that, but they have what the first league didn't, which is modest and realistic expectations, a Fox-backed $150 million bankroll for the first three years, and somebody who's been through it before and, frankly, a liaison between Fox, his contract is with them for the broadcast booth, and as VP and director EVP of football ops uh, for the league, uh, Syracuse, uh, really amazed, amazing perspective on this league. He wears many, many hats, including spokesman for the league. Listen to Daryl Johnson, Moose, remember, known for 22 touchdowns in the NFL and uh, 72 uh, overall and 22-27 receiving yards, a three-time Super Bowl champ, a two-time Pro Bowler, but that's not what we're here for. We're here to talk about his perspective with this new league and, frankly, why he thinks the league will succeed. Here's Daryl Johnson caught up with him at Protective Stadium in Birmingham, Alabama over Memorial Day weekend. You go to Syracuse, you're obviously all-world tight end, uh, set touchdown marks for the Cowboys, three Super Bowls, two Pro Bowls. Uh, did you ever think you were going to be in the front office of an alternative league to the NFL? Not until probably probably about five to seven years ago, I kind of started to look at the front office as, as a possibility. Um, doing the broadcasting, it, there's a very there's kind of a very empty feeling after the game. Um, it's very subjective in whether people like your work or dislike your work. Uh, some people like me because I played with the Cowboys. Some people don't like me because I played with the Cowboys. And it usually has no merit on, on whether they enjoyed the broadcast. So it, it's just, it was kind of empty. You know, we it's a jailbreak after the games to try and get to the airport to get home to see family. And I was looking for something else. And uh, as the Alliance of American Football came on board, I'd probably for about two years have been going down that path at that time. Um, Andy Reid was really, really great to me early on, let me come up to training camps in Kansas City and spend a couple of days. Will McClay with the Dallas Cowboys has been great. Chris Ballard with the Indianapolis Colts has been fantastic. John Dorsey was great to me. Um, I've been able to, to visit Ron Wolf and, uh, you know, Bill Poling's been a, been a great mentor and uh, Bill Parcells has, has given me his time. So as, as you start to visit with people and you start to find out some of the commonalities that they used to develop their teams, it became very intriguing to me. And, and, I, and I think we all have that, right? We all want to see if everything we've learned through our, our years of playing football, could we assemble a championship roster? So there was definitely an allure there. Um, so I got to do that in the Alliance for, for the eight games over there. Um, it was transitioned into the XFL. Uh, with Bob Stoops in Dallas, and, and we did five games there. Um, and then I, I, I didn't know if there was going to be another opportunity for that. And then uh, you, know, you started to hear the rumblings of the USFL uh, starting, and then uh, you know, the fact that, that Fox was going to be behind them. Um, you know, there was a potential there, and then I, I had some, some visits with, with Eric Shanks you know, around our seminar time late summer of last year, just kind of picking my brain about you know, what I thought was, was good with the Alliance, what I thought was good with the XFL, where we had some hiccups, where we made some mistakes. And uh, I, I, I guess the, the company felt that I had a unique perspective having been involved in both of those and, and had some value to be able to come here. And then just the relationship that we'd had, you know, almost, you know, over 20 years working with Fox. I think it, you know, there's a, there's a comfortable feeling there if you're bringing somebody in for a venture like this. Well, and the interesting perspective is that you came to work for, quote unquote, that company, uh, 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 assuming you'd be a broadcaster, and, and now you're working, assuming you're you know a front office maven to take the lead to the next step. We all know Eric Shanks is a visionary. We've all worked with him. Uh, but at the end of the day, 
uh, you have to really believe not only that there is a legitimate home for spring football of any kind, but that this was the right league to do it. What, what went through your mind to make that decision? Well, I, I think we've already proven that there's a, there's an appetite for it. There's a market for it. You know, the Alliance and, and the XFL did not fail because of, of interest from the fan base. Right. Uh, we had financial issues with the Alliance, and then we had the pandemic and financial issues with the XFL. So we demonstrated in both of those leagues that there's an appetite for football. And, and I really think what, what Fox and the USFL done that, that really, to me, is, is the most important thing is, is giving us a little bit of breath from the NFL season. The other two leagues, we went the following weekend. And, you know, to follow up what is usually one of the more competitive best games of the season, um, you know, with, with an, an upstart, you know, spring football league, there's going to be a drop in, in the quality of football that's going to be very noticeable. Um, you know, for us here with the USFL, I, I love our calendar of being after the Masters, right? So we don't, we don't have to deal with March Madness. We don't have the Masters. You know, there's some things that we deal with. We've got playoff hockey. We've got playoff basketball. Uh, baseball's getting started up. Um, you know, we've got a couple of majors, you know, during our calendar in the golf world. Uh, but I really think that that fan that's starting to have a hankering for some more football is ready to watch. And, and we've kind of seen that here with the USFL. And I think the great thing for us with the players is it's easy to go talk to the players and say, listen, you know, we're, we're giving you plenty of time to get ready to go into an NFL camp. You finish your season with us. Let's say you go to the championship game and your season ends July 3rd. That gives you plenty of time to get ready for the NFL training camp. Um, it's not like it used to be when I played. Uh, it's going to be late July, early August. There's, a, there's an acclimation period. You're, you're very rarely you know, in pads all the time. There's not a lot of two-a-days anymore. So the, the, the taxing of the body coming off of a season that you've just finished up is not there the way it used to be. So I, I really think our calendar, number one, benefits us for the viewer, getting him away from the NFL, kind of des, you know, creating that desire to want to see football. And then for the player, I think our guys are going to have a great advantage. I think they're coming into NFL camps in football shape. The body's been used to getting knocked around a little bit. They've had a little bit of time for it to heal. It's just a question of them of now getting into those NFL offenses and defenses and getting up to speed with the playbook. Once they do that, they're going to be great. Does your kind of universal credibility, you just mentioned it, your mentor is a, is a who's who's list of, of football successes. Does your credibility with those folks augur well for a relationship with the with the NFL? Your contracts are great. Uh, nobody's competitive. You have two-year deals with your players, but you allow them to break them only if they go to the NFL. So it's a developmental uh, opportunity for the NFL to use you should they choose to believe you're compatible and not competitive. How do you feel about that whole scenario? I think it's one of the things I learned from Bill Poley in, in our time with the Alliance is th there has to be a, a very good working relationship with the NFL. And, and as you pointed out, I think we've got the relationships in place to be able to do that. You know, there's a lot of things that, that we have on our wish list uh, that, that we would like to start conversations with the NFL about um, and, and able to grow this league. And, it, you know, it's hard. You know, we don't, we don't want to look at ourselves as a developmental league for the NFL. We, we don't want to look at us, you know, as a standalone professional football league. Um, that, that is getting the players available to us, uh, you know, bringing them in, coaching them, teaching them, finding out where the gap is in their game. Why are you not, not just getting to the NFL, because a lot of these guys have gotten to the NFL. Why are you not staying in the NFL? Where is it that we can help you stay in the NFL? And what you find out in, in these leagues with these guys is a lot of times it's nothing to do with athletic ability. It, it's other things. It's, it's accountability. It's punctuality. It's professionalism. Um, there's a number of different things. Uh, and you try, to, you try to work with them with, on, as much as that 
as you do on maybe being a step too slow. You know, you, you don't have the measurable in a certain area. Um, but what we want to do is be able to show the passion for the game. I mean, that's the thing that all these guys have. They have a passion for the game. And, and whether this is their best option to play football because they love the game and they just don't want to stop playing it, or whether they're trying to get back to that NFL and find out if they can stay there this time, we're trying to help them complete that process. So that that's the, the most gratifying gratifying thing for me. And I've had that that experience you know, with the Alliance when we were in San Antonio, uh, with the XFL when I was in Dallas. You know, to be able to change the uh, the trajectory of a young man's life by getting him the opportunity not just to get to the NFL but stay in the NFL for a couple of years. Talk a little bit about the other side of it, which is the fan, the activation. Uh, it's no secret that uh, there are seven row teams in the league, and in, it's basically uh, we're here at the second game uh, two-thirds of the way through the season. Uh, not any many fans, but – the expectations have always been, or at least been when it was launched, that this is a, effectively a television production-oriented uh, first-year experiment. But you got to have, at some point, but when, what's the point? What's the point of, of when you've looked at fans through this season and saying, we've got to get more people in? Yeah. Well, that's the sunny side of the stadium, right? Yeah. So, so we, I don't even know how many people are. I'm not even going to go there, okay? <laughs> We're both TV people. I know how that goes. Yeah. Um, I think one of the things that really helped this whole decision was basically what we learned through the pandemic. Uh, the WNBA, the NBA, the MLS all went down to Florida and jumped in that bubble. Um, that's kind of what we've done here, but we've we've done it for a different reason. We've done it to get off to a, a good financial start. Uh, we're not multiplying everything times eight. Um, is it hard for the other seven teams? Absolutely. Today was a, an away game for the Birmingham Stallions. Right. <laughs> yeah. No, it was a home game. They've got yeah. they've got ten home games this season, and it's hard. We've talked to all other seven teams about it. And they said, it's challenging, you know, to come in here and play against Birmingham in this stadium. There's a big difference. And it's a letdown for, for Houston and Philadelphia that we're watching right now when they come out and, and there's not a lot of fans there. But it's been, it's been fun to watch that start to change and to grow a little bit. Pittsburgh has been picked up by some teams, uh, the New Jersey Generals, the, the, the Michigan Panthers. There's been a couple of teams that have started to generate a little bit of a following here in Birmingham. And I always thought that was going to be the interesting thing. You know, who's the adopted son out there to go along with Birmingham? Um, so uh, we knew it was going to be a challenge, but, but I think the pandemic showed us that, you know, you, you can manage it. Um, you know, you can generate a rating. I remember in 2020 when we were working with Fox in the NFL and, and how we just changed a lot of the stuff we did with our cameras. So we didn't show the empty stadiums. And so the guys that are working on these these games are, are kind of used to that now. You know, they can they can navigate it a little bit. But that wasn't the whole mindset coming into this. Um, you know, we weren't worried about what the gate was going to be. And I give I give Eric Shanks and Fox a ton of credit on that one. And we've we've made a really family friendly ticket price here. And that's one of the things that I love is you watch that board in the stadium, especially during a Birmingham game. There's a ton of kids here. Um, it, it's family oriented. And there's a lot of things that we can do in year two to make that even a, a, a larger number of families coming here. Um, so that, that was that that's one thing we came in here knowing full well that it's going to be a challenge when Birmingham's not playing. But that's not what we're here for. So uh, we, we have the blessing of having a, a, a great group behind us that doesn't have to worry about, you know, generating that big gate, you know, getting money from concessions and parking, all the uh, the ancillary things that you can generate revenue from. We're, we're worried about year one, building a great product on a sound foundation and getting ready for year two. It's not a blank check, but it must give you a little bit of uh, of uh, uh, ability to be a bit patient when you see 
some of the Fox folks in Sports Business Journal and otherwise saying, yeah, we've got a three-year blueprint, we've got X amount of money, maybe it's $50 million a year, but it's, it's set away to grow our league as opposed to saying we've got to turn a profit by next Tuesday. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I, I, you know, we, we've heard that before. I'm, I'm going to go into it, uh, you, know, you know, being wise from my, my previous experiences. Um, you know, we talked about two- and three-year plans there. Th- this is a much different thing. Um, so I think everybody feels better. There, there's a number of coaches on our staff um, that, you know, in the beginning of this process, as we reached out to them to become part of the USFL family, there was already rumblings of what, what might be with the XFL. And the ones that came to us came to us because of the support of Fox behind us. Um, that was their big reason for coming here. Uh, the ability um, to have our broadcasts on television, on Fox, on NBC, and when you talk about watching football on television, it's America's Game of the Week and it's Sunday Night Football on NBC. I mean, those are the marquee platforms to watch football in this country. And we've got both of them as partners with us. So there are a lot of things that when we get into um, trying to, to, to lure people or, or convince people to come be a part of the USFL family, we've got, uh, we've got some pretty good stuff that we can talk to them about. One more TV or at least social media or, or digital or streaming uh, question. Uh, how do you generate the individual team excitement in in Pittsburgh, in in uh, in, in Jersey, in, in Philadelphia, in New Orleans, uh, where the uh, pl- the people that might be watching them have never seen them live? Exactly right. There, there there's things that that you're so focused on on just getting the league up and running. Um, you know, this first year that there there are areas that that we need to to start to look at as as we have an outreach, you know, into those communities. Um, it was funny because we had a conversation with some people that I know that, you know, they, they, they played for the Philadelphia Stars. You know, they, they were the, the, the champions of the league, uh, you know, back in the 80s uh, when, when the USFL first came out. And, and they have reunions every year. And so it's like, hey, why don't you come down to Birmingham? You know, why don't you do your, your, your reunion down here this year? Or if not, why don't we do a live remote back to wherever you are in Philadelphia and connect you with us here? So. There's a number of ways that we can get creative to to start to build those relationships. Um, You know, next year, I'd love to, at some point, have some OTAs during the course of the year, um, you know, with our coaches and with our teams and, and, you know, get them an opportunity, you know, to add to their rosters, to evaluate players before we're really getting ready to get serious about football. Is there a chance we could go into those markets and do that? Go in for three days, five days, um, you know, kind of engage the community, kind of grow that in an OTA style practice um, and, and really kind of start the engagement then. Uh, so yeah, there's a lot of things that we're talking about that are on the table. But, yeah, one of the, one of the things that we definitely have to do is, is really start to engage, you know, the, the other seven franchises. And it's been fun because we've actually – you bump into people or you see, you know, you see RJ on the, on the field, you know, interviewing somebody and they've driven in, you know, eight hours because they're a fan of, uh, of, of the, the Michigan Panthers. Um, so that's, that's been fun for us to see some of those situations. There's a general that's running for Senate uh, from uh, Georgia, just saying. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, right. Uh, he had some some connection. Some back some, in the day. some connection there. What about what about gambling as a, as a, as another mechanism for fan engagement and interest with the USFL? What's the what's the position on that? Yeah, it's it's been uh, it, as in every sport right now. You know, gosh, I remember you know my my early years in the NFL. You, you couldn't go to Vegas because it was just that that stigma that went along with you being out there in Vegas with the potential with sports books and everything that was going on. Where now. Um, there's a lot of things driven in the development of certain components of this league that were heavily involved with conversations 
uh, when you deal with, you know, the sports gambling aspect of that, um, you know, to the point where, you know, some of the things we did uniquely with our with our scoring, you know, the three point PAT. Yeah. Well, what, what does everybody think about that? How does that impact, you know, some of the, uh, you know, the lines, the overs, the unders? Uh, it was it was really interesting to see, you know, how much thought goes into it from that perspective. But, uh, you know, I have heard that that we have um, exceeded expectations early on. Um, I mean, all of our games have been tight fits. I mean, it's it's amazing. So I, I you know, I I don't pay a lot of attention to it, but I'd I'd love to see going in. You know, what's that line? I mean, have they started to shrink them down? Because I mean, our games are inside. You know, five points, three points, the majority of the time. We've had a couple that have gotten away from from us at time to time, but but more than more than that, you know, week in and week out, these, these are these are hard fought, well played, down to the wire games. I'd, Houston, watching them today, you know, God bless them. I mean, four weeks in a row on the last play of the game, they have lost. Um, and, and yet here they are still out here grinding. Uh, you know, it's, uh, it, it's fun to watch. At least the league's got an EVP of football ops who knows what he's doing, thank God. <laughs> Hopefully. I'll keep fooling everybody. <laughs> last question for you. Your key always day one was real ex- realistic expectations. Um, you needed to get to, to year two. What is, as you sit here today, your biggest challenge to getting to year two? I remember Bill Polian talking to us about the alliance the first go around uh, in back in 2018, 2019, and his concern was just the expansion of the NFL roster at that time, and how the practice squad took 10 players um, from that pool, and you multiply that times 32. There's 320 guys that used to be available to us that no longer are. Well, since the pandemic and the expanded roster, that number has grown even more. Um, so when I talked to Bill, that was the one thing he talked to me about. He said always cast a large net. Um, he goes, it's so hard to find that, that, that quality football player. Um, and, and, and I've told you what it was like 2018, 2019. You're facing a, a bigger challenge in 2021, 2022. Um, so cast that net far and wide. Uh, everybody's going to talk about this, this excessively large draft pool that's out there, but, but don't get caught up just talking about that. You know, make sure you're, you're, you're looking everywhere you possibly can. Uh, you know, one of the things that, that we've talked about doing, you know, w- with our league is, you know, we need a, a bigger international presence. There's some great athletes, you know, around the world that have started to embrace the game of American football. Uh, they need to get into a league like this where they can play the game and be coached in the game by, by people who really know it. They have the athleticism to be out there on that field, but they just don't have the football IQ yet. So there's an untapped market. You know, how many kids are out there that, that are running track, playing basketball, playing lacrosse, that used to be very, very good high school football players, but went in a different direction? Could we ever kind of tap into that market uh, and bring some of those guys back in? Or we've seen that happen a number of times with, with guys that have made it all the way to the NFL. So the biggest, the biggest thing for us, you know, going into year two, um, number one, don't, don't get caught up patting yourself on the back for what you did year one, um, you know. Like we talk about just from week to week, you know, celebrate it for 24 hours and then it's gone. Let's get on to year two. Um, been blessed to have been a part of three Super Bowl teams. And I've got to find that that safe spot, that comfort zone of, of celebrating our achievements and validating all the hard work that was done, uh, but then getting right back onto it. You know, we, we talk about it in Dallas all the time. We never really took the time to celebrate some of those Super Bowls and we rolled right into the next opportunity. I want to make sure we take a little bit of time out here and, and you know, celebrate the hard work that everybody's put in since we started this journey together. But but we also have to make sure that we're right back on focus because we've got some competition out there. Uh, we talked about that that player pool and how hard it's going to be to find those guys. They're going to be able to, to give you a quality a quality style of football on that field, and that pool gets even even smaller when there's two people competing for it. Well, Daryl has some amazing perspectives when you think about 
uh, his uh, long-term uh, future, uh, what he wants to do uh, in life, and also why the USFL not only will succeed from his perspective, but will be a fixture in the landscape aiding and working with the NFL and other football operations from years to come. Don't count them out. Now the Tech Minute. MLB has added the wordy, inspired game Wardle to the MLB Play app. Struck a deal with the co-creators. The online game is MLB Pickle. New sponsorship and rebrand. The baseball wins above replacement Sabre Metric and a lot of other technical jargon. And the NHL copy of Wordle-inspired Stanley Cuppy game developed by Sharplink Gaming and launched on the league's site earlier this month. MLB Pickle joins other free-to-play games such as Beat the Streak, Quick Pick, and Diamond Derby on the MLB Play app. (laughs) Don't miss it. How about gaming? We talk about it every week, and let's now focus on the Sports Gaming Minute. Colorado. $392.3 $392.3 million for sports betting in April, the State Division of Gaming said Friday. Down month over month at 60% more than residents bet in April 2021. And no football and no major sports betting, a 67% increase in the same period in 2021. This period was the opening weekend of NCAA basketball and led to a drop in sports betting, but it wasn't the finals. And April has been not the biggest month for a lot of people Although watch May because of the basketball finals and hockey, obviously June when baseball in earnest and can't wait for football to come back, the numbers will be really, really significant. And when you look at the numbers, the Colorado residents have bet $7 billion since betting was legalized years ago. So let's not hold a bake sale for Colorado and its tax money. Finally, Philanthropy dominates the podcast as it always does. The Good Sports 5, Falcons owner Arthur Blank, donates 200 grand to prevent school shootings. What he can do, the healthcare aspects associated with such events, aiming to bring community resources together to provide equitable services, especially in minority communities, good for him. NFL launches the initiative to increase diversity in sports medicine. The program next year expands to recruit students from additional academic institutions and medical disciplines and place those students with medical staffs at more NFL clubs across the spectrum. Professional Women's Hockey Players Association has taken a major step toward creating a new women's professional hockey league, signing a letter of intent with Billie Jean King Enterprises and the Mark Walter Group. The idea will be working closely with Deloitte and Scotiabank to create a business plan to pitch to to potential investors. And obviously an important component, not only today, but long-term Winter Olympics and beyond. Corey Zeidman, former WSOP bracelet winner, arrested on charges of fraud, money laundering, and a $25 million betting scheme that didn't work. Sophisticated white collar and He's from Boca Raton and World Series of Poker. It just goes to show that this is not always a clean game as people might think. And finally, Penn State football, the second phase of the Lash building, getting to going to bid next month. The Penn State Office of Physical Plant has been uh, collecting the dollars and the $48 million 
budget, weight room, expansion. Previous renovations had been funded entirely by philanthropy to get Penn State back on the footing it had before, let's call them the glory days, and see if it rises again. That's your Good Sports 5. Well, great weekend, everybody. Hope you feel the same way. And thanks again to the extraordinary insight and capabilities of Daryl Johnston. You'll be hearing a lot more about him on the boardroom, in the boardroom, and otherwise. And good luck to the USFL. Good luck to all football. Thanks for Nick Nielsen's help in putting this together. Thanks for all of you in listening and watching. And hopefully you'll join us next time in the $1.3 trillion business of sports. I'm the sports professor, Rick Haro. Speak with you soon.